Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Um, obviously, this is not how we first introduce our interviews or episode in general, but we do have a very special announcement that we have to address. As many of you know, we have a lot of great things going on in our world, but at the same time, we do have to fight for what is right, and we're going to be alongside of our actors and our writers and stand in solidarity with them and making sure the strike continues until some type of an agreement comes forth and everyone ends up being very happy. Hopefully, that's going to be the outcome, but until then, this will be our last interview for now. Uh, we'll continue interviews once the strike is over and there's an agreement that has been solidified. But to be honest, we're going to stop all interviews past this one. And another announcement that we want to talk about, too, is that we will not be reviewing any movies that are coming out later in the year. And that's in 2023 or also 2024 at this moment. All the films that we will be covering will be films that came out in the past. Uh, and we just want to address all of those things as well because we do believe in what we're actually standing up for. So please enjoy this interview. These two are amazing individuals. I'm so happy I talked to them. You can probably even hear how nervous I am when I'm talking to them because I fanboyed so much in this movie. Um, but yes, enjoy the interview and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. And today we have two amazing guests. We have Joseph and Vanessa uh, Winter, directors and writers of the phenomenal movie called Deadstream that transcends time with its 80s horror feel and comfort mixed with today's social influence. A movie that not only creates waves of excitement, it's also creating a new wave into the horror genre, but sets the influence on how to tell a great fucking story. It's hilarious, scary, and so damn creative. These two are an artist, and I'm so excited to talk to him today. So welcome to uh, Nightlight. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell a little bit about yourselves real quick? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks yeah. for having us. We really appreciate it. It's awesome talking to you. That also might be the best intro I've ever had. Yeah. I was, yeah. That was that was a good intro. I'm pumped, <laughs> I'm pumped well to hear us talk. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am Joseph, and uh, I co-wrote, co-directed Deadstream with Vanessa, and I am Sean in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a little bit about us is that uh, we met we met in film school and bonded over horror, and then eventually stopped breaking up and got married. And <laughs> we we've always kind of worked on each other's stuff, so we had independent 
films and shorts that we're always working on, but we always kind of like rewrote each other's scripts and stuff. And we kind of slowly converged for this movie. Yeah. I'm still stuck on, I thought we were supposed to introduce ourselves and I just said something and then you didn't say something. Was that, did I make that up? Cause I feel stupid. Oh, I thought no, it was great. It was, you introduced I introduced me. both yeah, of us. Okay. I think this is a great okay. start so far. No, oh, thank fantastic. you. Yeah. What am I worried about? Yeah. Yeah. I agree <laughs> with what I'm the one that's going to be worried. I'm like <laughs> in the presence of legends right now. So, um, but yeah, I love hearing that little backstory too, because one of the first questions we always ask, and I'm sure probably a lot of people have asked you why horror do you have a horror background what got you into horror was there a particular movie um what got you within the genre uh i mean for me i i always reach back to my early memories um i was lucky enough to grow up on the beetlejuice cartoon mm. and i think that was my first intro into horror but i guess you could also say horror comedy um, and then I always loved Halloween. I grew up in a more conservative household, so I didn't watch a ton of horror until I was in college. Um, and Joseph was kind of the opposite. Yeah, we, I was exposed to horror, like, as you know, the time I was a baby. And as long as I have been able to express myself or have feelings, I've loved horror and Halloween very passionately. And I, when I was a really little kid, in the 80s, my dad rented from Blockbuster the making of Michael Jackson's Thriller. Mm. And uh, that really changed my life. I was very sucked into all the behind the scenes and watching the zombies pull the prosthetics off their face in the trailer. And I wanted to be part of that somehow. So the first kind of filmmaker that I wanted to be, even before I knew what aspect I wanted to do, was horror. I love that. I know horror, uh, especially the horror community, everyone has a very big passion for it. People really love it. Uh, there's a lot of subgenres too. And we talked about like horror comedy and stuff like that. There's even like horror romance stories. There's horror psychological thrillers, paranormal. Uh, there's something to love within the horror genre for everybody. I think there's an audience for, I mean, there's a, a movie for any type of audience as well. And talking about like horror comedy, that's a tough balance to have. You have to have some scares. You also have to have some laugh out moments. Um, and I feel like I got a really great sneak peek because I saw all of the bonus content. So I kind of saw like what you guys did. Um, how was balancing all of that? The different types of themes, the kind of character Sean is, uh, how you want the audience to be laughing, but also scared at the same time. It's a character like very entertaining to watch. What was the writing process during that whole entire development? It was it was tricky. We sweated it. We did. We <laughs> we were very worried at different points that the movie was neither funny or scary. And we had the same debate with Sean's character of like, is he watchable? Is he just too annoying? Um, but we wanted somebody annoying that you would enjoy seeing get beat up by ghosts, but we didn't want to make it unwatchable. So both those things that you mentioned, we we spent a lot of time workshopping that in different drafts, testing it, rehearsing. I think even in post-production during the edit, we were still feeling scared about the combination of scares and jokes and if they were working. Um, so it was a the it was a process for the whole way through. Yeah, but it was also a really fun challenge because early on we stated out loud that we want to take the movie from Blair Witch Project in the mm -hmm. beginning and and become Evil Dead 2 in tone somewhere by the third act. So that and we wanted to do it in such a way that when it happened, 
you kind of forgot, maybe you weren't aware that that had even happened. And so we were just excited about trying to, we, and it took a lot of revisions, even through post-production to get that right. Right. Yeah, I, I, I bet. And I saw like on the, and speaking of like why we're here in general, uh, the Blu-ray release is on July 18th. We have the Steelbook coming out, a Walmart exclusive. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I was telling you that before we recorded. Um, I can't wait for people to get their hands on this because you guys go really deep on it. And I know what you were just talking about, like the whole process, like, oh, is this moment going to be funny? Is it going to be scary? Um, do you guys have a special feature on there called, or I think it's not called this, but it's called Daystream. We <laughs> do a whole entire run through of like the movie during the day. Uh, yeah. It was so cool to look at that too, because the things I always like to bring out in uh, my interviews and have these conversations is like, it takes an entire village to make a movie. Um, there's so many moving parts, so many things can go wrong. There's a lot of difficulties you have to do with like technology. And you really see that in the backstory and the special behind the feature, uh, behind the scenes features. And it's really cool to see how you guys really adapt and kind of change the script when you have to, or, rework things and how i'm sure that was super hard too and i know you guys talked about it uh, a lot in the behind the scenes but how long was the shoot because i know you said like it like doubled the days that you guys had planned or something like that yeah we did we did seven days back to back um which we called principal even though it ended up we ended up shooting at least seven more total uh, but the rest of it was shot over weekends throughout the next few months so we would just pop back into the house whenever we could. And sometimes there was just three of us when we would come back in just to get little pickups or or shoot something that just emotionally wasn't totally like, by the way, when you're making a, a movie that takes place in real time, yeah. if if your face or emotion is just a little bit off from one moment to the next, and we've shot these things sometimes like three months apart, it's a big deal and you can't really get away with it. So being able to come back to the house on a Saturday, like a few months later to get just a, literally a facial expression differently in a moment was really essential to making the film work. But I'd say probably like 14 days total, we guess last time we talked about it. Probably more like 15 to 18. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way of knowing. Right. And the, obviously the process is way before even when the camera start rolling you, and you guys filmed everything with a majority of GoPros, which is really fascinating and very creative and, you could really do a lot of stuff with that. Like they talk about being waterproof, being durable, being able to mount it on things. Uh, the jerky cam is still one of my favorite things I've ever seen on the <laughs> film. Uh, the potato gun. You guys have so much going on in this film and it just works and it's so creative and it's just so fun and exciting to see. And I feel like that's like the, the top YouTubers today, right? They have to get creative. There's a lot of content creators out there. You have to really stand out. And I love that you guys talked about some of the creators like PewDiePie or iDubs and stuff like that, too. And it's like, yeah, this is very realistic. It's very grounded, but it's also like playing upon that like trope of like, oh, look at these guys who are like the know-it-alls or they think they're like higher than everyone else. And they're unapologetic, but also apologetic because they have to because society says so. Um, and it's yeah. great to see a character like Sean portrayed on like the camera like that because... We don't see that often, and it's something that's fun and entertaining. Like what you brought up, Vanessa, is that we don't want people to hate this character, but be okay with them being tortured in, in a fun way. And I think that does a really good job on screen. It looks like you guys had a ton of fun making this film, and it really translates that on there, too. So I'll see if uh, is there any other people within society, friends, or 
content creators that also drew uh, inspiration for the character of Sean. What's the name? What's the name of the uh, Houston Jones? Houston Jones. Houston yeah. Jones. There's uh, there's a guy who does. He's more specifically into physical stunts, mm. um, kind of self torture. Like I think <laughs> we saw a video of him shooting himself in the balls with a paintball gun, like those That's kind of stuff. He he now he's graduate. I mean, this is the problem: is you eventually have to start outdoing yourself. And it gets absurd, and that's why right. people get in trouble. But I think he got to the point where he's like breaking, he broke his leg or something. Um, I don't know if on purpose, but it's getting like really, really extreme. But at the time, it were things like shooting himself in the balls with paintball guns. And yeah. Things like that. He's got an edge of fun to his personality. Like he's right. a little bit larger than life, and he's doing these really cra crazy physical like feats. And I think there's an aspect of him and Sean that we wanted to kind of incorporate like somebody who's this big entertainer while doing yeah. crazy things yeah you think of anybody else yeah uh, so i uh, there's like pewdiepie idubs and houston jones i feel like if you watch if you're that interested in deep diving if you watch those you can see a good blend of like personality self self-deprecating humor um some pop culture flair and then we try to give sean his own flavor of um, his thing that he's into is like analog tech and new techie stuff. And we try to make that kind of his thing. So you can see that in the background of his basement video that he makes. And hopefully that comes out throughout the movie that feels more uniquely him because we didn't want it to just be a parody of people that existed. Right. Now, I feel like all the people you talked about, it's all about the entertainment aspect, right? Um, even if you can't relate to them, they're very entertaining to look at and their personality really comes on screen. And I feel like Sean does that same thing where it's just you can't not root for him, but also be like, uh, you're not the type of guy I should be rooting for. But at the same time, <laughs> you're so entertaining. I can't say no to you as well because you do want him to survive. And that's the great balance that you guys were able to put from script to on the actual um, screen and I kind of want to talk about your guys' journey. You guys did so much and again I want to congratulate you for everything you've accomplished because making a film it's a miracle in itself. We always like to talk about that. Um, being able to get to a film festival is another miracle. Being able to get onto a streaming service another miracle. Getting a physical release copy that's like unheard of these days. There are movies that 100% deserve to be on physical copy and it doesn't happen, but you were able to get that done. So from rolling to ending the production, from the post-production to film festivals, to streaming on Shutter, one of the best streaming services ever made, uh, to getting oh. a physical release, how's that journey for you? Like, how's it been? Uh, it's been so exciting. I mean, like you mentioned, it's... It is a miracle. It's also kind of like winning the lottery. Um, yeah. I feel that way, especially during the festival process, which is there's so many great films and the fact that you're chosen to be at a festival that people are paying attention to um, is just so awesome because then you have an audience and people start hearing about your movie. And without that, you, I mean, a big part of making a movie is people seeing it. But yet yes. it's so hard. It's so hard to get it to that step. And so I don't know. For us, I feel like we just really won the lottery in that in that way. Um, and it's just been really exciting to see people connect with the movie. Yeah, I hope yeah. this is um I hope this is something that listeners that want to make something as well, like a do-it-yourself kind of movie. Um, I hope this is something helpful. But we did a lot of like years of 
research, doing our homework, listening to podcasts and trying to listen to how other films had done it and um, got to the path where we'd even heard of the film and how they hacked the film festival thing. But the reality is you do all that so that you can then, you know, set yourself up to succeed if the lottery happens, you know, because it requires things coming together that aren't really in your control. So we can't really take credit for like the physical release. You can look back mm-hmm. at some decisions that we made to try to optimize the movie for distribution so that there wasn't a super low ceiling of, you know, uh, what they were willing to put in front of people. But the thing that happened, specific path, getting into South by Southwest and and the physical releases, those weren't our choices, ultimately. And um, we're we're grateful for what ended up happening for this movie. Um, and I think what I'm trying to say is, like, it's it's still chance. There's a component of chance on top of everything that you can do. Right. I love that. Um, I hope yeah, if there's anyone that's listening to like, one of the big things we always want to do is do what you love and do it a lot and see what happens. Follow your dreams. Yeah. Always feel inspired. And I feel like within the horror community, it's at least for me, and you probably, probably feel the same way I'm assuming it's a very accepting community where a lot of people work together. Uh, you obviously all had a collaborative effort with uh, VHS 99 as well, which is an anthology with a bunch of different creators coming together to make one beautiful film as well. And you guys killed it too. That, that, ah, you guys' short was so good there too. Oh, and it's, thank again, you. So entertaining, so fun, so immersive too you guys are really good at world building which i love to see and it comes across really well it's like you believe everything that's happening even though you're like in the pits of hell essentially um (laughs) it's it's so enjoyable to look at and it's fun and movies are supposed to be fun and supposed to take you away from like the reality of the real world sometimes and have that type of entertainment so i love to see that and I, i bet you for sure deadstream has inspired many other people as well um I'll, I'll even say for like myself, I'm creating my first short film ever. And when I look at this, I'm like, that's so creative. That's a really smart idea. Okay, adapting. Yeah, things go wrong. I'm like, I mean, like pre-production, I'm like, this is not going to work. But what if we do it this way? It will work that yeah. way. <laughs> it's all about uh, problem solving and doing it on the fly and working with a great team. And that's why I love with people who ever get these physical copies, they get that inside look of how your guys' team worked and how it all came together and it just ended up making it happen. And I love that you guys use practical effects. And I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. What was the main reason to go practical? Is this just from the love from like 80s movies that went practical or was there something else? Uh, For me, I just love practical effects. Um, So it was definitely me making something I wanted to see. Yeah, besides just the overall feeling of Halloween, like loving the feeling of Halloween and spookiness, the first thing that I was actually attached to with filmmaking were practical effects specifically. So, um, you know, leading up to making our first feature, it was a no brainer for us to do something that really leaned into that and to try to find a partner that could deliver characters uh, that we would want to see in films. And we were really grateful that we were able to find Troy Larson, who did mm. the monsters, and Michaela Kester, who did the amazing makeup effects, because they worked together in a way that was so good for the tone that we were going for. And we all, it was like the serendipitous thing. It's one of those things that, like I was mentioning, you prepare to be able mm-hmm. to do this, but then it kind of falls into place. And that's what happened with them, where we all just gelled tonally. I love that. 
I think the nice thing about practical effects too, it beats the test of time. It will always look as good as it is because it is something that is in there in person. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. And I love like, uh, I think I remember like the poltergeist scene when they opened up the closet and the guy's mm -hmm. face is like melting off and that's like a practical effect. I'm like, that still looks good today. And that's several yeah. years old. Um, I think it's the best way to do filmmaking and the best creative way to do stuff. And that's probably how it helps problem solving a lot too. And that's something I always believe in. So I applaud you for that as well. Um, we're kind of running a little bit out of time, but I got maybe like two more questions. Uh, one of the biggest ones is, is there anything else behind the scenes that either went wrong, went really right? Uh, something that was very memorable that people would not know and a little peel behind the wizard's curtain, if you would say. Now I'm thinking back to the bonus features. Of the, cause... I know, I'm trying to yeah. remember what, what problems we talked about, but um, man, I would There's say- There's so many. I mean, to, to other indie filmmakers, it really is about just keep going mm -hmm. um, because I feel like there is an aspect of filmmaking that everything that can go wrong will go wrong. <laughs> and I can't remember everything that happened to us at on the first day but i think the porta potty was like delivered to the wrong place or the trailer's battery wasn't working and then we had a big windstorm and all of our light proofing like blew off the house and so we were resetting for half the day and there was tech problems our dp got burned by battery acid and i think we like we mentioned some of this stuff but there was this feeling after the first day of i don't know if this movie's gonna be good i don't know if this movie's gonna happen um, but then I think like you were talking about, you kind of regroup, solve the problems, keep moving. And, um, yeah. And I, I'll say, I'll just piggyback off of that, which is, um, it wasn't just a matter of, oh, I don't know if the movie's good, but it just so happened to turn out good. It was, no, we actually were making a bad movie. That was the <laughs> reality of how it started. And then we had the we had the task of, well, then how do we save our movie? Like we literally had that conversation mm. and we started figuring out what are all the unconventional things we can do to get this back on the rails. And so that's what you got to do is like, that's going to happen. You're going to have like that, that all is lost moment right. in your film. If you're doing it, you're, if it's an indie film, it's going to happen inevitably. And then it's what you do about it. And then deciding what are the parts that you really can't do anything about and then just embracing them and just knowing that um, people will forgive the things that you couldn't fix. And uh, so, yeah, it's I so basically I agree with you, like the the way the shoot started and having to get it back on the rails is like the biggest challenge that we had to overcome. I, I, think, uh, I think communication with the team, too, because I, I, I mean, we had we had an amazing team, but there's still points in a film production where there's conflicts Mm -hmm. or some people need more support and you need to have those conversations um just oh this is not going well for you or this this system is hurting the movie or why aren't we communicating well and i think being able to address those problems have those conversations letting the crew know hey we care about you we have your back and what's not working for you and kind of making those adjustments or being honest of saying this isn't working for us and um, I think that's part of it too. I don't. I don't think you get mm. through like a conflict-free film. That's fair. Yeah, communication, communication, communications, everything, and having empathy and care and love for each other, and just coming together and being like-minded and being able to have that same vision is a big thing to make movies possible. 
love hearing that kind of stuff. It, it and it, it, I feel like it translates so well with this movie. I think a lot of people connected with it. Uh, I even remember for South by Southwest, I did it virtually, but I ended up watching this movie twice within 24 hours. And other movies were on the platform. Like, I just kind of want to see Deadstream one more time. I was like, <laughs> I want to give other movies a chance too, because obviously it's limited time, right? And some movies might not have a distribution afterwards and you kind of miss out. But I was like, I just got to see it one more time. So I woke up early before I had to see like the other movies. I'm like, all right, going to watch this one more time. And it's like a fast paced movie. It goes by quick and it's so satisfying where I'm just like, I have time for it or I'll make time for it. <laughs> and for people to not see it, it's unacceptable. It's on Shutter. It's streaming. It's a well, great platform. It's made for horror lovers and for horror films. And obviously, if you have the chance to get the physical copy, uh, I know we have some international users. I actually have a friend from, I forgot what she's, I think from New Zealand. And she's like, I'm in the States. I saw your tweet. I'm going to go to a Walmart and buy it. I'm like, yes, absolutely go buy it. And also, welcome to the States. Hopefully, we will ruin your life. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. But it's it's something that is uh, it's gorgeous physical copy. It's beautiful. Even the artwork inside and the disc, and it looks gorgeous um so many bonus features on there too it's i had such a great time going through all of it seeing how the lighting was done um everything there's so much to love about this movie so congratulations again uh for our listeners that is july 18th so probably when this podcast comes out it's probably right around the corner uh please hop on that get it i know walmart didn't have a pre-order link i saw that you posted that today uh but by the time this comes out you should be able to get this physical copy go get it you guys are fantastic. Thank you again for being here. Uh, I guess any last minutes or seconds, um, what do you want to say to everyone? Is there any words of wisdom or do you have any upcoming projects coming along? I, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has been so supportive of the movie. We've had the most vocal supporters of the film. Um, and that really surprised me that people have been really... I think uh, generous and sharing their passion about the movie. And every time there was a new announcement about the movie or something happened, people are just being so great. So thank you to anybody who's engaged with that. Yeah. It's re it's really exciting to be part of the horror community and to get to be part of the art making process. Yeah. So it's been really fun. And where can people find you on the social webs? Um, I'm on social media with the same handle, which is Joseph winter VHS. Yeah, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Vanessa M. Winter. Thank you so much for being on here. Uh, but this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. It was a pleasure serving you. <laughs>